love the lyrics of that song. In his presence, troubles vanish, hearts are mended. Amen. We go through this life and we know that we're walking in chaotic times and troublesome times. We face things day in and day out upon our Christian journey. But I have found that they all vanish when I get into his presence. Amen. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to wait till Sundays or wait till Wednesdays or wait till time of the day, but that any given day, in any given moment, I can enter into his presence. See, the problem is, is that we carry our problems and we try to take it to man, but what we need to do is just enter into his presence. And why does the trouble seem to vanish? Because he just swoops right on in, he refreshes your heart, he refreshes your soul, and it's in his presence that he reminds us as his children, my child, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm going to go with you all the way to the end of the world. It's in his presence that he reminds us that he knows exactly where we're at and that he reminds us that he's got us. And that's where we need to learn to live, in his presence. Amen. In his presence. And everything changes. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight that we can have your presence. We thank you that your presence is here this night, Lord. And God, I pray right now, Lord, that every burden, Lord, every trouble that may be upon the hearts of your people, God, that right now, Lord, they would be lifted. God, you have told us to cast all of our burdens, Lord, cast it all of our fear, cast everything that troubles us down at your feet, God. Lord, you don't want us to carry it, but God, you want us to cast it, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that your presence will just infiltrate us, Lord, not only tonight, but each and every single day, Lord, and that, God, we would always, Lord, walk in your presence, God, and, Lord, just receive that refreshing and that rest, Lord, that we have, Father. Lord, we thank you for your blood on Calvary that provided it all, and we give you glory, and we give you an honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't know the moment, and I don't know the day, but I know that when he calls this church, I'm going home with Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. So thankful. Lord, if that don't put a pep in your step and a smile on your face, I don't know that you know him. Amen. Jessica, that one was just for you. <laughs> she loves that song. Amen. So, so thankful. That's our hope. Amen. Our hope, again, I've said it before, it's not built upon Washington. It's not built in politicians, but it's built upon the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That is our blessed hope. Not just the hope, but our blessed hope blessed hope amen if you have your bibles turn with us to a little bit different place than where we've been on sunday nights uh, normally we've been in the book of galatians but i want you to turn with us in the book of exodus exodus chapter 32 exodus chapter 32 so so thankful again for what the lord is doing here in this house and uh, the people that he's sending in and the people that he's going to continue to send amen and believe in the lord for Great and mighty things. It's crazy because uh, in just a week we have already been here four months and it don't even seem like it. And um, everything was good when we first took over the church back in the fall and we came in and we fixed uh, a lot of problems. There was a lot here, uh, but the Lord sent in the laborers and helped us and everything was going good and still going good. And I thought, well, where's the opposition at? Because, you know, when any time you're, <laughs> you're in the will of the Lord, there's always going to be opposition from the enemy. Amen. He's not going to sit back and let you do anything for the Lord without him opposing it. And uh, boy, did the opposition come in with COVID-19. So uh, it happened like that in March. But nevertheless, uh, I am proud that we're here, and I'm proud of what the Lord 
has accomplished here. And in the midst of all that has went on, here we still are. Amen. And I know that a lot of people would have walked away. A lot of people would have thrown their hands up and said, this isn't just the right time. But we know that God ordained this, God called this, and we know that he makes no mistakes. Amen. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Human minds would have thought that this is not the right time, but God knows all things. Amen. And I'm thankful for what he's done thus far in the hearts and lives of the people that are here, those that are watching by the way of internet. And nothing more brings me more joy to my heart than to hear the testimonies of God's people. And even in other states that have been richly blessed by this ministry of what the Lord has done here. And so it's good to be reminded of those things. Amen. Because I think sometimes we think that we're not having an impact. But then all of a sudden you'll get that text or you'll get that message and you say thank the Lord for it. Amen. And it's not because we're anything, but it's because he's everything. Amen. Amen. So Exodus chapter 32, if you're there, say amen. amen. And we'll be reading the first uh, 14 verses of this chapter. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down. For your people, which you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be your gods, O Israel, which have brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Not therefore, now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Verse 11, And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against your people, which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak, and say, For mischief did he bring them out, and kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all of this land which I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. I know that's a little bit more scripture than what we technically read. But it is very, very important, and I believe when I was just reading this and getting down to verse 4 or 5, I heard somebody go, hmm, like that sounds like something I would do, because it's, and it's rightfully so. It's a bad and sad picture. 
to think that the children of Israel who have been delivered out of Egyptian bondage, who has seen the mighty hand of God move for them time and time and time and time again, had now got to one of the lowest places that one could get to, to the point, in fact, that where they would even resurrect and make an image of the, peop- of the same one of the people that they were delivered from. It's a sad to think the church of this day and this hour. And I want to preach a message tonight, but more honed in on the last couple of verses of this chapter. Who will pray? Who will pray? And I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of prayer and, and, and even more so intercessory prayer. And how now more than ever before that God is calling us to pray. To pray. And I know that we've heard the statement made again and again and again that prayer changes things. But that simple three-word sentence is so powerful, and we have said it for so long that, again, it just becomes mere repetition to us. But do we believe it? Do we truly believe that prayer changes things? Amen. So I want to preach again tonight. Who will pray? Bow your heads with us as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. In the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, thanking you again for the opportunity and the privilege, Lord, to gather into your house tonight. God, we do not take for granted, Lord, this, but God, we give you thanks, Lord, that we can come in here tonight. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Lord that is here in this house. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what you did this morning, God. But, Lord, we're here tonight, again, pulled up to the table of grace, Lord, ready to receive what it is that you would have for us tonight. Lord, I'm asking that, God, you would help us, Lord, Help us to rightly divide your word. Lord, anoint our hearts, our ears, and Lord, our lips, Lord, to be able to bring forth the word that you have placed upon our hearts. Lord, help us to do it no harm. And as we yield ourselves unto you, Lord, I ask that you would take complete control of this service, this house, Lord, your people, and Lord, most of all, Lord, your messenger, Lord, that you have called to proclaim your word. And Lord, we will not fail to give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And amen. This is a familiar portion of scripture that you and I have read, I'm sure, time and time again, that we have heard preached and proclaimed behind a pulpit. And on Thursday morning in prayer, right over here, specifically here in the altars, as I was here seeking the Lord, just in general, the Lord laid this passage of scripture upon my heart. And interceding for our country and interceding on behalf of the church and the condition in which the church as a whole is in, we are no better than what Israel was in at this day and time. And we are fooling ourselves if we think that we are better off and that we have not really sunk to this low. But we are this low right now in this country and as a church as a whole. And we need to wake up and to see. And the only remedy and for this, the only solution is to do what exactly Moses did and intercede in on behalf of the people. Because I'm afraid that if we was to wait upon the church as a whole to do what Moses did, we will be waiting forever and nothing will get accomplished. But I want you to see tonight as we proclaim and preach this message what the power of one man's prayer what one man's prayer was able to do and literally rewriting history and then we sit back and we say well all I can do is just pray no that's the greatest thing that you can do the greatest thing that you and I can do tonight is to pray and seek the face of God but it was on Thursday morning right here that the Lord began to deal with me and lay this passage of Scripture upon my heart as I was interceding and seeking the Lord for the church and for this country. And of course, he told me to deviate away from what it was that I was going to preach tonight in the book of Galatians. So, of course, I said that I would. But I'm so thankful that he can deal with me. 
Amen. I'm so thankful that He can move upon me and, and that I would be obedient to His Word because God knows what we need right when we need it. And again, if there's ever been a more important time and more important message that we need to hear and is that we need to seek the face of Almighty God now more than ever before. And again, we say it again and again, but we're going to continue to keep saying it again because I am convinced that even though we proclaimed it and I am convinced that even though we've said it again and again, it has yet to stick and get through the skulls and the minds and the hearts of God's people. Because if God's people was truly doing what he would have them to do, you would see a turnaround taking place. But I'm afraid the reason why we see things getting worse is because the church is still not waking up and is still not doing what he has called us to do, which is still to turn from our wicked ways and to pray and to seek his face. He has given us the promise, y'all. He has told us already what the answer is. There are so many people that are asking the question, well, what is it that we can do? Well, what is it that we can do? And the Lord's already given us the answer. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and I'm ahead of my myself a little bit but he's already given us the answer it ain't like we got to be out here wandering around and searching for a new solution he's already given us the answer as to what we as the church as individuals need to do amen but if you read back at the end of chapter 24 you'll see where Moses was commanded by God to go up to Mount Sinai so that the Lord could give him the law and in return Moses could teach to Israel the law of God and if you have walked with the Lord any amount of time you will find even more so as you continue to walk with him that there are just times that he wants you to get along with him that there are just times that he wants you to pull away from everything from everything that is going on and just get along with him so that he can pour into you and I'm thankful for those moments in my life that he can do that when he pulls me away from everything from all the hustle from all the bustle from everything that needs to be done and he pulls us away and he wants to pour into our hearts and into our lives and he wants to, to do a work inside of us and I'm thankful that we can have this each and every single day. This doesn't just have to be once a week or, or once a month, but each and every single day we can get along with the Lord and allow Him to pour into us. The most intimate moments that you will ever have with the Lord is when it is just you and Him. When nobody else is around, it's not here on Sunday. I love church, and I love to come together and worship with my brothers and sisters. But the most intimate moments that I have with the Lord is when it is just me and Him, and I'm on my face before Him. I sat in these altars this past week, and the Lord just ministered to me so much to where time just passes by and nothing else matters because He knows what we need when we need it. And to have Him to pour into me is the greatest thing to think that He would take this old wicked vessel that once was vile and He washed me and He cleansed me and He placed His Spirit inside of me and now wants to pour into me and do a mighty work inside of me and through me. I got to the point to where I got to my desk and I couldn't even go back to work as the tears just but thank God because I never want to get above my tears I never want to get to the place where I can't cry where I can't feel the presence of the Lord and it not move me and that's what we need as a church that's what we've got to have His presence, amen but Moses had been on the mount 40 days and 40 nights 
He had no idea what, that when he would come down and, and what would happen to him. And the people of God, they got antsy and they began to converse with one another and they wanted to make themselves gods to worship. Had no idea when Moses was going to come down, but it didn't take long for the people of God to begin to stray. Think of this, 40 days. 40 days, these people were where they needed to be and in just a short amount of time, you see the horrible picture painted before your eyes of how far they had fell and how far they had strayed. You see, though Moses was the one who God used to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was not the one who delivered them out, but it was rather God who had delivered them out. Moses was just an instrument that the Lord used, and he should not have been looked at as deliverer. And that was the problem with the children of Israel. They was looking to him and not to Jehovah. Amen? And when you take your eyes off of Jehovah and you begin to place it upon man, I promise you, you're going to get let down each and every single time I love you and I want you here but you better not place your faith in me you better not look to me because I'm going to surely let you down because I'm fallen man amen I have learned the hard way don't put your trust and all your uh, balls if you will in the court of a man because you will be let down each and every single time but rather we should be looking solely unto the Lord amen but way too many times man looks to man for deliverance or even other signs and symbols rather than looking to Him. And we see that now more than ever before as we point the people of God to other things rather than Him. It's exactly where the church is at today. We're pointing the people of God and we're also pointing the world to everything else except the Messiah, except Jesus Christ Himself. We've resurrected idols, whether ignorantly or intentionally. This is just what we have done and exactly what the church has become. But without strong spiritual leadership, the church will always go in the wrong direction. Without strong spiritual leadership, the church will always go in the wrong direction. You see it right here. Moses was leading the people and had them on the right track. And just as soon as he goes up to the mount and he gets along with the Lord, we see Aaron who was next in command who knew better. He knew better than what to do and he succumbed unto the pressures of these people just like we're seeing today. People that knows the word of God, people that has once walked down that path and because they won't stand because sometimes that means you're going to lose a whole lot of people. But you've got to be willing to stand when everybody else walks away and stand upon his word. You see, Aaron gave in to the desires of the children of Israel. And he knew very well that the command of God was not to have any other idols before them. It had been verbally spoken to them way before the law had even been written down upon the tablets. And we must take a stand for righteousness and for holiness despite the direction of the world and despite the direction that the church, even as a whole, might be going. Just because a whole group is saying, we're doing this now. Again, if it don't line up with the word, you don't follow it. You follow, thus saith the Lord, amen. Joshua 24, 15, as I said it this morning. But as for me and my house, I don't care what the world does. I don't care which and whoever's in the church goes. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve the Lord, amen. amen. 
I've come too far. I've come way too far to turn back now. I don't care who says what or who does what. My eyes is upon Him. I'm pressing for the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. I've got too much to go to just throw in the town now. We've just got a few more weary days and then, and we're going home to be with Jesus. Amen. So in such a short time of their deliverance, we see how they turned from doing what was right and they turned to idolatry. Their faith was put on trial, if you will, while Moses again was on the mountain. And they had everything that they needed to be able to withstand and there was no reason in the world why they had did what they did. And there was no reason in the world why, why the, the direction that they took. And it's the same direction that many in the church today are taking. They're turning to other things. They've resurrected idols, amen? And we've turned our eyes off of Jesus and, and we placed it on everything else because the church, again, has resurrected their own idols. And what's so sad about it is that we're doing it all in the name of Jesus. We've resurrected idols and we're saying and attributing it all to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, Paul again says that if it's not the Jesus that we have preached to you that it's another Jesus and it's another spirit and it's being served and it's not the Jesus of the cross of Christ that has shed his blood. Amen? See, we're preaching about everything else but what we should be preaching. Jeremiah says it in chapter 2 of, his, of the book there that we have committed two evils. That we have forsaken the fountain of living waters and we've hewn down broken cisterns that can hold waters listen it's bad enough that we have forsaken him but it's even worse the fact that we have hewn out broken cisterns that hold no water and this is exactly the condition of the church today we have forsook him because we don't feel like the cross is enough and we say we've got to go beyond it and we've got to do everything else and again we easily follow those that are in leadership and we think just because they put on a tie and because they say this is what the Lord says we follow right in suit and again I said it this morning I'll say it again tonight we didn't get to the place where we're at overnight it's took days, weeks, months, years to get us to the place that we're in. And we are in a mess today. We are in a mess. I know that America's in a mess, but the church is in a mess today. And I don't say that joyfully, and I don't say that gladly, but it breaks my heart to see the condition of God's people now more than ever before. How we are even so divided, and we've allowed the enemy to come in. And bring division in us to where literally as Christians, we are now viewing people as black and as white and as brown. Let Paul say there is now no more Greek, there's no more Jew. Listen, it don't matter. You may be black, you may be brown, but if we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're my brother and you're my sister. God don't see color. He sees the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? So again, just like the church of Ephesus, who was doing everything right, everything right, but because they left their first love, the cross, God demanded repentance or else he would remove their candlestick. They was always watching out, making sure nobody was coming in preaching false doctrine. And he'd seen their labor. He'd seen all that they were doing. But yet we see that he had one thing against them, which is the most important. You've left your first love. Not lost it, but you've left it. And there is many in the church today that they have left their first love. They've left where they've received 
sight. They've left where they received grace and they've turned to something else. And a good majority of the church today is, is in this shape. We uphold doctrine and, and we're laboring for the kingdom. And even in the midst of all the chaos that's going on, we haven't even many in the church tried to quit pursuing the Lord. But the Lord, in spite of all that was doing right, he said, you've departed from your first love. And again, I'm convinced that the condition of our church today and in return the world today is because we've long left the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we've turned to another Jesus and it has brought nothing more but ruination to the church. You see, we did not get to this place again overnight. And unless repentance is forthcoming and until we get back to the place where he has called us to be, then I can tell you today that the church is on a downhill slope and destruction is inevitable. It is inevitable. But there is one thing that can turn this thing around, and that is God's people returning to the cross of Christ and seeking the face of Almighty God. Amen. We see the children of God here pressuring Aaron to make them a God to worship. And Aaron gives in to them. And unless we grow closer to Christ, we are so easily duped and so easily swayed by the world system and can succumb to the pressures of society. You see, the whole reason for intimacy, the whole reason for relationship with Jesus is so that we're not easily swayed away from the true foundation and so that we can remain bold and strong in Him when all around us is vying to get us to turn from that which is right and to that which is wrong. And we preach it again and again. You have got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you think that you're going to make it in these last days, giving God an hour on Sunday, you're not going to make it. Now, I'm going to say that again. If you think you give the Lord an hour on Sunday and even a little bit on Wednesday and think that you're going to make it, it ain't going to work. You have got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, one that involves you and Him communing together day in and day out. Amen. He's coming back for a bride. He's not coming back for somebody that wants to date Him and treat Him as a buffet and say, I'll pick this and I'll pick that. No, no. He's coming back for a bride. Relationship intimacy so that you can stay close with him so that we won't be swayed and duped. hello we're sheep and the sheep are some of the dumbest animals that are out there because what do they do they will leave the pack and they will stray out and we if not careful can stray off from where we need to be if we're not in close intimate relationship with the lord amen aaron receives all the gold that they bring to him and I'm sure Aaron in his mind undoubtedly thought, well, when I require this of them, they won't give it up. But, un, but he, more than, he, didn't under, he didn't expect it. They brought to him all of their possessions. Aaron goes on, again, the assistant to Moses, to melt it all down, and he made a golden calf from it. And it's bad enough that they were making an idol to worship, but what makes it so bad is that the gold that they had been given to them by the Lord. Remember, when he brought them out of Egypt, he didn't just free them from the bondage of Pharaoh, from the slavery of Pharaoh, but they walked out of there healed and with all of the riches. They walked out of there with everything of the enemy. Walked out of there with it. They didn't have to do anything. The Lord fought for them. He did it all. And they walked out with everything. All of the blessings of God. And they turned right around and take the riches that God had given to them. And melted it down to make an idol. You see again the Lord 
the Lord has spoken against us and told them that they could not have any idols in front of them, uh, in front of him. They offered sacrifices to this golden calf and they were dancing around in such a perverted manner to bring honor to it and mimicking what they had literally seen take place in Egypt and again, all in the name of Jehovah. The people of God were emulating Egypt in their worship and doing it unto God. And doesn't it sound like a lot in what we see going on in the church today? I have watched services literally where I cannot tell the difference between them and a clubhouse. Provocatively dancing and saying it's all in the name of Jesus. All in the name of Jehovah. See, as a church, we are full of golden calves. We've indoctrinated the world and we brought it right into the church and we're trying to worship God through it. Another Jesus, another spirit. Aaron sees the calf, he builds an altar before it and declares that they will bring all the offerings that were associated with the altar that they were supposed to normally bring to worship God. And now he wanted them to bring the sacrifices that was built into God and place it literally in front of this golden calf. You see, Satan doesn't want to abolish God in our churches, but he rather wants to represent him by something else. God's got no problem with you liking the Lord. Just don't love him. You could go to church on Sunday. You could do this. But don't just be in close, intimate relationship with him. See, he don't want to abolish the Lord. But again, he wants to represent him by something else. He'll offer to man that which appeals to the very heart of him. And he'll do it all underneath the name of religion. And this is what most people doesn't realize. That psychology and works would also fall in this category because it appeals to the flesh. You see, the greatest way he can get a lie into the church is between two truths. Between two truths is how he can swindle a lie right on in it. Exodus 23 and 2, it said, You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shall you speak in a cause to decline after man to rest judgment. You see, just because man or a group is advocating and following, no matter the position and no matter the name of who it is, if they're not following Christ and his finished work, then it has to be abandoned. Because the only way that we can approach God, the only way that we can worship him, the only way that we can receive from him is through the correct altar, and that altar is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can worship him. That's the only way you can receive from him is by going through the right altar. So just as Israel had forgotten how God had delivered them and all the wonderful great things that he had done for them, even in the midst of the mightiest move of God that the world has ever seen at that time, we see that they lost their way. The mightiest move of God that had ever taken place, miracles untold that they seen in their eyes that we read about and wish to God that we would see, it would blow our minds if we seen it. And they seen every bit of this and yet they still... Lost their way. And we have seen the hand of the Lord move time and time and time and time again. But yet the church has lost their way. Look at it even in the beginning of the 1900s. Azusa Street. Uh, the greatest move of God that had happened to this world probably at this time that anybody had been alive. And yet look at just a hundred years and how far the church got away from what it was in the early 1900s when they were seeking the face of the Lord and when they were seeing him move like they had never seen him move before. 
But see, in verse 7, we see the Lord bringing up the meeting with Moses that was taking place. We see that all of this had taken place. Moses is here upon Mount Sinai. He's communing with the Lord. He's been up there 40 days and 40 nights. All of a sudden, here the children of Israel are, are performing this horrible wickedness. And he looks at Moses and he says, get down for your people. Notice the words. He said, your people, which you have brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. He just looked at Moses and said, your people, which you brought him out. The wickedness of the children of Israel and making these idols had literally repulsed him and has sickened him to the point to where he would not even claim them anymore as his own. Think about that. The ones that he brought out, but now he was disowning them because of the wickedness, because of their sin. And I'm afraid that the same could be said about the church today because we have corrupted ourselves. Just as he said that they had corrupted themselves, we have corrupted ourselves as well. We've turned from him. We've turned from the sacrifice for our sins. We've turned from the very provision of God that has allowed us to be able to have relationship with him. But notice the urgency of God. He stops him in the midst of it all and he says, go down. He immediately cuts off his law giving to Moses and to quickly move down the mountain because what had taken place demanded Moses' attention because he was disowning them again as his own people. He was literally disowning the covenant that he had made with them. So what is our reaction to what is going on? in the world today what is our reaction to what is going on in the church today because you see the reaction of the Lord that just when as soon as he seen this his reaction was you got to go down this has got to be solved this is uh, demands immediate attention but yet we go around each and every single day and we just let this we hear what's going on and we just let this go in one ear and right out the other not giving it the attention that he wants us to give to it you see, 2 Chronicles 7, 14 again says, And my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. See, that's what you and I, that's what the church needs today is forgiveness of our sin. And the way that we're going to receive the forgiveness of our sin, the way that we're, and our sin is idolatry, you can rest assured, and turning away from everything that he has laid out for us is by humbling ourselves down. Have you not noticed that this is the first time in history when the world has been in such chaos and trouble that the churches have not been full? After 9-11 and after the attack happened, and Stacy and I were talking about it the other day, where 3,000 people had lost their lives, the churches were packed. The churches were full. You didn't have to beg people to come to church. You didn't have to beg people to come to prayer meetings. Stacy says she remembered the church that she was in at that moment, and the prayer meetings were packed out, people on their face seeking God. But yet, look where we're in right now. And instead of running to the Lord, we're just sitting back. Churches, people not going, fear gripping their heart and thinking that there's nothing that they can do whatsoever. You see, we've been given the solution to the remedy the situation. And our land today needs healing. And the commission that he has given is to the church and not to the world. It's not to the world. The world is unbelievers. It's to be expected what the world is doing. But the commission has been given to the church. If my people, which are called by my name, that's me and that's you, amen? The humbling is a recognition that we have strayed 
and would return back to the cross, that we would pray and seek his face again and, and turn away from the wickedness that we've committed, much as the children of Israel had done right here in this passage of Scripture that we read and also in other passages that we see. And let me just say that the true prophet and the true intercessor always includes themselves in with the church as a whole. See, there's too many people that think, well, I've not done anything wrong, so this don't lie upon me. Listen, we are a part of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And it is incumbent upon you and I, regardless if we have not strayed, to still intercede on behalf of the body of Christ. Amen? So God said they turned away from the commandment that I had given them. The great sin that they had commanded him, committed against him, had angered him so to the point, literally so to the point that he wanted to disown them. He was angry with them and even calling them a, a stiff-necked people and told Moses to leave him alone so that he could consume them. I mean, can you imagine Moses being there with the Lord and the Lord has just spent all this time pouring into him and all of a sudden he says, get out of my sight, go unto your people. They ain't nothing more but a stiff-necked people and I'm ready to turn my wrath on them. Can you imagine him hearing this news? And his eyes, I'm sure, got real big. And he thought, what in the world, you know? Lord, you can't do this. You can't turn on your people. I know what they've done, but you can't do what it is that you're wanting to do. Amen? So God's anger was, was justified. He had delivered them from Egyptian bondage. They were no more slaves. He had opened the Red Sea for them to escape the hands of Pharaoh and his army. And he destroyed them. He defeated the Amalekites. He supplied them day and night with food. He gave them the law and advanced them as a nation far more than any other nation. So no moment in history should they have been more grateful than this moment. And yet we see them having rebelled. And it goes to show you that no matter the blessings that can be poured out, again, it is so easy to stray away from the word of God. Amen. The same could be said about the church and also us as a nation today. You see, as a church and as a country, we've left the way. We've left the old paths and God is just, and God and, and it's just, he is allowing what he has allowed to come our way. And if not for the remnant of the country, of God's children, we would have been destroyed a long time ago. And I can tell you, and it is my humble belief, and you may disagree with me, and that's all right. But I am inclined to believe that the reason why we are going through what we are going through is because we have left the sacrifice. Because the church as a whole, because again, as I said this morning, this morning, the time has now come that judgment must begin with the house of God. And the Lord has allowed this to shake us up, to wake us up. But what saddens me even more is that I'm still seeing the church asleep. I'm not seeing the church being the church. We went through everything that we went through, and I know and believe that there's even more to come, and yet it has not moved us to do what he would have us to do, to pray and to turn from our wicked ways as a whole. You see, God was going to destroy them, and he told Moses, I will make you a great nation. And I want to know you to notice that, that a test was given to Moses to see how he was going to respond. You see, God had just told him, he would destroy Israel and that he would make him a great nation. The very office of Moses was being tested. And had he loved his own glory more than his lost brethren, and had he not have stepped in and did what he did and just allowed it, he would have failed in what he had been called to do. 
pride and arrogance could have easily swelled up within Moses and said, hey, get rid of these people. They ain't been nothing but trouble anyway. They've complained on me. God's going to make me a great nation. All right, here we go, God. Pour it out on them. And there's many in the church with that same attitude today. Throw it down on them, Lord. Get rid of them, Lord. And that's not the true heart that should be there in the believer. You see, intercession should be laid to our hearts as Christians. Not one, not some of us, but all of us as Christians. It, the true intercessory role of prayer should be laid upon our hearts. You see, Moses could have not have said a word. And he could have not said nothing and it became a great nation. But his heart for the people was greater. His heart for the people was greater. And there are way too many that feel that if they're good or, or me and my three or my four no more, then there's no reason to pray. And there are many that are within the church today that are guilty of it. And we think and we concern ourselves with just our household. But yet we don't think about the church as a whole. We've become selfish even in our own praying where we won't even intercede on the behalf of the church because we don't like what they've done or because we're mad at them and we think only about us. What if we went before the Lord and interceded on behalf of the church as we come to him with all of our needs? I said it last week. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these other things shall be added unto you. And part of seeking the kingdom of God is interceding on behalf of the church. Paul, in his last letter, after being forsaken, what did he do? He prayed that God would not lay it to their charge. Stephen getting ready to die. And in his last breath, what did he do? He prayed that God would not lay it the sin at their charge. Jesus, when hanging on Calvary's cross, prayed, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, irrespective of our past experiences, if it wasn't for our heavenly Moses, the Lord Jesus, none of us, not you, not me, would be here today. He has turned away the wrath of God from us in his intercessory role for all of us. He has become our high priest who now intercedes on behalf of you and I. You see, in verse 11, we begin to see Moses urgently begging him, making an appeal to not do what it is that he was going to do. And he reminded the Lord that it was him who had brought every one of them out of the land of Egypt with his great power and with his mighty hand. And he calls the mind of God back to the covenant that he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Israel and his service that he would multiply their seed. So we see in this simple three-verse intercession on the part of Moses that he gets God to do in verse 14 to repent of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. You get that tonight. In a three-verse intercession, Moses was able to literally change the direction of God. God was going to pour out his wrath. He was going to destroy these people and be right in doing so because of the great sin that they had committed. But Moses, with the heart for the people, steps in on behalf of millions and millions and millions of people. One person, he didn't have nobody to come alongside of him, but goes before God on behalf of all of these people and literally changes the direction of God in which he was going to go. Psalms 106, 23, and in fact, if you read 21, and I know I didn't give it to you, Connie, they forgot, speaking of this instance, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. 
wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. This could be said of the church today that we have forgotten. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. God tells us right here, it would have happened if it not had been for Moses. One man, one man who stood in the, on behalf of these people, God would have destroyed an entire country. You see, there's nothing strange or or unusual because many things that would fall upon guilty people are turned away by prayer. Listen, it should not surprise us. I think of my own life, and I know that I would not be here today if it had not have been somebody interceding on my behalf. There are many of you, and you would be honest today, and I know I've had the conversation with David, that had it not have been his father interceding on his behalf, he would not be here today. And so we should not be surprised how intercessory prayer works. I said it even this morning when Peter was thrown in jail, getting ready to be killed the next morning and going to be made an open show of going to be thrown in the arena and ripped all to pieces. Where was God's people praying all night long? But yet when Peter showed up at the door, it shocked them. It should not shock us when we see prayer answered because prayer works, amen? So we see just how significant how significant and how important a godly intercessor is. You see, Moses prayed and interceded on behalf of the children of Israel. Millions of people, and yet one man interceded on behalf of him and caused God to change his mind of what he had been set up to do. And I know that people will say, well, what about Malachi 3.6, that I'm the Lord thy God and, and I change not. And that is exactly right. The Lord does not change in his nature. His very nature does not change. Moses was not changing his nature. It was the direction of God that was being changed. And you can read all through the Bible time and time and time again that direction of God was changed. Why? Because one man would pray. One man would seek the face of God. You see, they are, they're right. And again, he doesn't change. But prayer and intercession on behalf of others can change the very direction of God. 1 Samuel 12, 23. What does Samuel say? God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. And what? Ceasing to pray for you. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, which lets us know that when we fail to pray on behalf of the church of who Samuel was doing, we're sinning against the Lord because he has called you and me as sons and daughters of God to intercede on behalf of the church. Samuel lays it right out. That our failure to pray is a sin. And God's child can conquer anything by prayer. That is why Satan does his best to try and snatch the greatest weapon away that we as Christians have. And Samuel realized that if the nation was going to prosper, then what was he going to have to do for it? He was going to have to plead on behalf of them. In Acts 12, again, we find the church interceding upon Peter's behalf. And again, they seen him come out. Or what about Hezekiah? who had been given a death sentence by Isaiah. But when he prayed to the Lord, the Lord changed his mind and added unto him 15 years. He was going to die that night. It had been pronounced to him by Isaiah, but he prayed, he turned his face to God, and he said, I'm going to add unto you 15 years. So don't tell me that direction of God. And a lot of people say it's too far gone. There is no hope. Oh, yes, there's hope. 
And that kind of mentality is the reason why we're in the condition that we're in. And he's saying, wake up. Hey, if you'll intercede, if you'll move, if one man will pray and will seek my face, it can turn me from the direction that I'm going to go. I could go on and on with examples. And again, telling you this for you to see the power of prayer and how prayer could change the very direction of God. And yet we as the church very little engage in the most powerful tool and weapon that we have as sons and daughters of God. You see, Moses had to come down from the very presence of God to stand among an idolatrous people who had went into rebellion. And many in that situation would not have done it. And would apostle let them go? But that's not the way of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Because Jesus himself had to leave all of heaven and all of splendor to do what? To come down and to deal with the sinful people. A rebellious people such as you and I. And thank God he did. Thank God he didn't say, I'm done with them, destroy them all. No, his love for us came down and dealt with our sin. You see, God's repentance and turn from direction he was going to go was because of Moses' persistence and his intercession. He prayed the covenant with God. And again, if we would pray for others and this nation like we do our own needs, it's no telling what we would see. Because when it comes down to something that you and I need, we are so persistent and we don't give up and we'll go before the Lord again and again and again. And if we would take that same urgency and that same persistence when it comes to our own needs and we would apply it to what is going on right now, I'm telling you, we would see things turn around. But thank God that Jesus didn't think of just himself, but he thought of others. He thought of you and me. And that is what we should be doing as well, of thanking of the church you see prayer changes things and again we say it but do we believe it and i can tell you that god is just looking for some to come together to touch him on behalf of this country and as well as the church and you don't need to let the enemy think that your prayers don't matter if one man could change the direction of god that would stop the destruction the 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 annihilation the death of millions of people what in the world would 10 people coming together praying could do what if 20 people would come together? What if 50 people would come together? That's all he needs. In fact, his word says that if any two will come together and agree in, as a touch of one thing, I will do it. But yet, we have got to put forth the effort and seek the face of God and intercede now more than ever before. You see, the only hope for those that are lost, and they don't even realize it, is the prayers of those that love God and will call them out before the Lord. I've said it before, and our lost loved ones don't even realize that the reason why they're still here is because you and I weep bitter tears for them, for God to have mercy upon their soul. And you will never truly know, you will never truly know, and I believe until we get to heaven, of how your prayers, of how you've interceded on the behalf of others, has literally saved their soul from dying and going to hell. And then we sit back and we think that I can't do nothing for the kingdom of God. You may not have been called to stand behind the pulpit. You may have never been able to call a saint. But what he has called every one of us to do as his children is to get on our face and pray and intercede. And I promise you, God needs, God needs more intercessors now than ever before. But you know why we don't like to engage in that? It's because it's not seen by people. It's not seen by a lot of people. And we think because we're not seen, it's going to be no matter. But listen, God sees it. And that's the only one who needs to see it. 
That's the only one. You and the Lord right there interceding on behalf. What one person could do, that's what I'm trying to get you to see tonight. What one man was capable of getting done. What could we get done if we came together in agreement? And let me tell you something. This intercession can't just take place one time. It has to be ongoing. Day in and day out until we see the results of what it is that we're seeking for. The very prayer of Moses changed the course of history. And many want to be a part of something big in the church that will have an impact. And I can tell you that right here, it is more beneficial, what I'm speaking about, of intercessory prayer. And it will have life-changing effects if we will just stand in the gap. We want to make history pray. Pray and seek the face of God and see the direction of him turn this thing around. Amen. Stand to your feet. As Jordan just comes and plays something softly. And I know that we don't always uh, do altar calls on Sunday night. And I know it's been a long day and we're tired. And I pray that somehow something that I've said has been able to help you to see this and see something that you've not seen. But most of all, what I want us to see tonight is that we need to pray now more than ever before. Because we're in a mess. And I know that we're going home to see Jesus. And I know that we're going home to be with him. And it makes us shout and jump. But can I tell you that we shouldn't just be worried about ourselves. But he wants us to be worried about others. I don't want to just walk in. I want to take many with me. And that's what he wants. Amen. So as he plays softly, whatever it is he plays, I just want to encourage you. Let's come into these altars just for a short time. And let's just seek the Lord for him to turn this situation around. And I believe that if we'll intercede on behalf of the church, God will hear us. Amen.
I know we're in chaotic times, but I'm encouraged tonight. I am strongly believing the Lord to turn this thing around. And I want to encourage you, don't quit interceding. Continue to keep praying. Pray now more than ever before and believe God. And I know, and it, we can get discouraged when we see that all that is going on, and if we're not careful, things grab our attention, and it seems like it's just doom and gloom, and we feel like all hope is gone. But I'm telling you, turn away from all of that stuff. Fix your eyes upon Him and believe God to turn this thing around. And I'm just have enough faith to believe that if we'll do this each and every single day. I believe that we will see this sooner than what we believe. Amen. God's always had a remnant. He's always had a remnant that's not bowed the knee. Amen. He wants us to pray and to seek His face. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You tonight for Your Word. We thank You, Lord. Lord, for giving us that example, Lord, before us, Lord, and many throughout the Bible, Lord, that but their, the direction of which You would go could be changed if Your people would just pray. God, I pray, Lord, that we would always, Lord, find ourselves interceding on behalf of others, Lord. Lord, as you serve as the greatest example, Lord, of intercessor, Lord, and we thank you for the intercession that you make for us each and every single day, that despite our faults, despite our flaws, despite our mess-ups, Lord, God, you're there interceding on our behalf. Lord, let that mind be within us, Lord. Let us always look to you in the example that you set before us, Lord, and let us pattern our lives after it. Father, we're believing and asking you, Lord, to turn the situation around. Lord, we're believing, God, for you to bring healing to our land because, God, we need it now more than ever before, Lord. God, I refuse to believe, Lord, that the best days are over, but, God, I choose to believe that the best days are yet ahead, Lord. And we're claiming that harvest of souls, Lord, that you promised us. Lord, we're believing you for our sons and daughters to come in. Lord, we're believing you for our families. Lord, we're believing that the days of miracles and divine healing, they're not over, God. And we truly believe, God, that the best is yet to come, Lord. And God, we cry out, Lord, pour it out, Lord. Pour it out in abundance, Lord. Our ears are open, God, and we hear the sound of an abundance of rain, Lord. God, help us to stand, Lord. Help us to stand, Lord, God, when everyone else may be dropping out. God, let us stand upon your word and let us believe you, God, because we know that you're able, Lord. In fact, your word tells us you're able to do exceeding abundantly above that which we ask or thank God. So, Lord, we take the limits off of you, Lord, and we say simply, God, have your way, Lord. Use us to be a light. Use us to be that witness, Lord, for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you have done, but God, we give you praise in advance for what you are going to do in these past days, God. Lord, with excitement and anticipation, Lord, Lord, we are expecting the greatest move of your spirit to come, Lord. And Lord, I pray, don't let that expectation leave us. Don't let that anticipation leave us, Lord. But God, let it swell up within our hearts each and every single day, Lord. Let us cry out unto you, Lord, day and night, Lord. Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen and amen thank each and every one of you for being with us tonight thank you for today remember our Tuesday night intercessory prayer that we have at 7 p.m. if you can't be here pray at home at that time amen and join in with us here at Wednesday night Bible study at 7 of course next Sunday morning and Sunday evening service vacation Bible school is coming up July 24th through the 26th if you did get any flyers this morning 
um, or you need to get more as you hand them out. We've got plenty here. And uh, hand them out, spread the word. Amen. And keep praying and keep pressing on. Amen. Amen. We love each and every one of you. Be blessed.